In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. On this first day of the Novena to the Immaculate Conception, we meditate on the event of the Annunciation. The scene could not be simpler and could not be narrated more simply than it was narrated by Saint Luke. A virgin named Mary was in her house in Nazareth. She was young. As tradition says, she was about 14 or 15 years old. And one day, perhaps, when she was at prayer, as the painters and artists like to present her, she suddenly realizes that she is not alone. An angel has entered her house. And this angel Gabriel greets her with such unexpected words that the virgin is caught unawares. Her first reaction to the angel's greeting is a completely natural one. She is confused. But she is not so confused as to be dumbfounded or to lose her presence of mind. On the contrary, she begins to think, What manner of words are these that are addressed to her precisely? What could what could they mean? And especially coming from the mouth of an angel. And Gabriel the angel is quick to calm her by clarifying the mystery. She, Mary, is going to conceive in her womb and give birth to a son whom she shall call Jesus. This son will be great and he will be called the son of the Most High and God will give him the throne of David in order that he may reign eternally in the house of Jacob. And Gabriel adds, This reign shall have no end. And to Mary, the words of the angel sound like a prophecy, not only because of the words the angel used, but also because she realized that Gabriel was unfolding to her the Creator's plan for her. She was to become the mother of the Messiah, she was to become that virgin who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. That virgin who would conceive and give birth to a son who would be called Emmanuel, God with us. But how was this going to happen? That was precisely the question that the angel Gabriel aroused in, in Mary. The news of the messenger is already understood, it is absolutely clear. It allows no room for con confusion. 
but she, Mary, is a virgin. And if a virgin is to conceive, how is it, how is this to happen? Since us, she says, I do not know man. Mary was asking for clarification. For in order to participate fully in the divine plan, she needed clear knowledge of how she was going to act. A clear idea of the part she was supposed to play. And here we realize that God wants to be known. Just as he wants all that is ours to be his, he in his part is ready when the time is right to share his plans with us. God is not absurd. If anything, he is a mystery. And this mystery in turn is not something irrational. But it is a superabundance of sense, of meaning, of truth. And if looking at the mystery, sometimes our minds only see darkness. It is not because there is no light in the mystery, but rather because there is too much of it in it. Just as when we humans raise our eyes to look at the sun, we are blinded. But he who would say that the sun, in a sense, is not bright? Or indeed, no, it is not the fountain of light. We know the sun to be the fountain of light. We know the sun to be bright. But at the same time, we cannot look at it. Mary, at this moment, finds herself looking directly at the sun. And the light is blinding. Everything is so overpowering, so inconceivable to any human way of thinking, far from the natural laws that we know about, far from what human beings have understood. And with simplicity she asks, how could this be? Lord, how could this be? And we are called at times to ask our Lord the same question, with the same trusting simplicity that Mary directed towards the angel, the messenger of God. Lord, how could this be? This suffering that I'm going through, this death of a loved one, this injustice, the failures, the defeats that seem to plague our every step. How could this be? And God expects from us such questions as he, expect, as he expected it from Mary. But at the same time, he asks from us a little faith in him. That we believe in him. That he can do this thing that for us seems not to be understandable. And if we have this little faith in him, with his grace, he illuminates our minds. He unfolds for us new horizons, boundless and infinite. And that is what the messenger 
does to Mary. Gabriel explains to how how it is going to be, how this great thing is going to pass. But Gabriel does not only explain to her how it is going to be, he also gives our lady a sign. Elizabeth, her cousin, was old and sterile, had conceived and was in a sixth month, for nothing was impossible with God. Nothing, not even that a virgin without losing her virginity should be a mother, not even that God should be a father, a son, and a spouse. And for this reason, faith is an incentive to always seek, never to stop, never to be content with this inexhaustible search for truth, for reality, for God himself, for answers from him. Because our God is a God of nearness. He's a God who is near, who walks with his people. We know very well that image in the desert, in the book of Exodus, where the Israelites are being accompanied by a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire during the night to protect them from the Egyptians. And that is the presence of God. He walks with his people. But we at times do not respond to this nearness of God. Man's first response in the first pages of the Bible is not that of drawing near to God. Our response sometimes is always to distance ourselves. We distance ourselves from God. He gets close, we walk away. And we see that in the first two pages of Genesis, Adam's first attitude with his wife is to run and hide. They hide from God's nearness. Man rejects God's closeness because at the end of the day he wants to be in control of everything, of his relationships, of his own life, of his own future, of his own time, of his own personality. And sometimes it is because this idea of closeness always brings with it some type of vulnerability, abandonment, trusting in another person and not in our own efforts, in our own talents, in our own abilities. But you see that God is always drawing near to us, human beings. He makes himself vulnerable. He comes among us to live with us. He makes himself a man, one of us. He makes himself weak. And in turn, he asks the same from us. That we make ourselves vulnerable. That we abandon ourselves in his hands. That we make his plans our plans. St. Augustine used to say, that he, I believe in order to understand. And I understand the better to believe. Many times this is what we are called to do. 
to believe in order that we can understand the plans of God. To ask and then follow what it is that God wants from us. A very well-known Italian figure was telling a story about when he was young and his relationship with a parish priest. And he would say that the parish priest uh, used to answer all his, all, of, all of his questions, even the very hard ones. And one day he asked uh, the parish priest, what do we become after we die? Where do we go? And the parish priest responded, we come from God. We are the seed of God. And just like the seed of a cherry tree becomes a cherry tree, the seed, seed of a mango becomes a mango tree. We who are the seed of God at the end of the day become God. And the parish priest added, and that is why we need to always trust in him. We need to always conduct ourselves, behave in a way that shows trust in God. You should never think whether God exists or not for us to behave well. And the parish priest gave him this example. You ought to follow your own nature, following that which is good, that which is noble, that which is great. And you say, you know, look at the spiders. You have to be like the spiders. The spider, when it is barely born, he begins to do the web. But he does not know the existence of the flies. He has no idea of what flies are. But, the, but it does the web. It knows for whatever reason that web is going to be of use for something. And then later a fly comes and it gets stuck on the web. The parish priest said, no, that is how we ought to be. That we behave honestly, trustingly in everything that we do, in everything beautiful that we do. Because everything beautiful that we do, everything good that we do, in a sense, is like one strand of the web. And therefore, if God exists, he also, like the fly, sticks on that web. Our lady, in a sense, her trusting faith permits her to trap God, who unfolds for her boundless and infinite 
new horizons that lie before her. Her faith, in a sense, helps us, helps her to see that at the end of the day, God has big plans for her, and He needs, He needs her to abandon herself to, to Him. But this doesn't mean that Our Lady does not have to ask, because Our Lord expects these questions from from her. And therefore, when she asks, how is this going to be? The legend, the angel explains to her that this is not the work of any man, but the work of God himself. For the Holy Spirit will overshadow her and make her conceive. We turn to our lady and ask her to help us as well believe in all that we can understand and accept willingly the plans and the designs that God has for each and every one of us. I thank you, my Lord, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which have been given to me in this time of prayer. I ask your help to put them into practice. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.